0: What is going on, Dream Team? It's your boy Dale Living in here. I'm flying solo tonight, solo dolo, as the young kids like to say, by myself. Trey is in none other than Antifa Hell, Portland, Oregon, uh, doing it up big for his super liberal job. So congratulations, Trey. Do it up for all the blue hairs out there. Um, yeah, it's it's a good time, man. So I'm by myself tonight. It's just me by myself. We had a good weekend. Uh, fights were great. And look, man, I'm here. I got nothing but time on my hands. I got Christmas presents behind me. You know, it's just that time of year. Uh, Trey is exactly that. He's a little bit of a Grinch. I'm a little bit of a Grinch, but my dad was in town this weekend. My stepmom was in town. They brought Christmas gifts for the kids already because they won't be here for Christmas. So my office in the upcoming weeks will turn into a little Christmas wonderland as all of Santa and his elves start to fill up this area Um, So we're going to take advantage of that. But before we do anything else, if you were unable to take advantage of any of the turkey deals that Stay Classy Meats was offering for Thanksgiving, uh, hams are still available. So be sure to go to Stay Classy Meats, use the promo code FIST, save 10%, big 7 to 9 pound ham, uh, Berkshire ham, good to go there. Um, I'll post some pictures up on Instagram later on, but took my dad to the conflict MMA fights this weekend. Uh, those of you that checked our Instagram, you saw a picture of me in cage with Anna tool, uh, interviewing her after her knockout victory. Uh, I think she knocked out, um, her opponent, I believe it was in the third round body shot knockout, vicious, vicious. So got the opportunity to hop in the cage with her, talk it up and chat it up for a little bit, but uh, I'll post some pictures. My dad was there first time I ever seen a fight live took him. Uh, I think 17 fights on the card, I believe 13 were finishes so he only had to sit through four full fights everything else was happening quick uh conflict put on a fantastic show anyway i say all that to say this my dad comes downstairs he's like i don't know what to wear to a fight never been to a fight before man what do i wear i said dad just wear whatever man you're gonna watch people punch people in the face you do whatever you want he comes downstairs what's he have on what's he have on he's cut on a legion's shirt I just, you can't make it up. The dude's a company man through and through. Made my heart happy to see him in it, but he wears an Allegiance shirt. We go, we watch people uh, punch people in the face, drank a bunch of beer, uh, and wat- got to enjoy some violence. It was my dad's 76, and we got to spend a, a good bit of quality time with each other. Probably, Probably the most solo time I think I've spent with my dad. probably in 20 years, maybe more, maybe, maybe more. Probably the most time I've spent with him. Um, And we got to do it, doing something that I love. And I I mean, he casually follows this show and casually follows the sport because it's something that his son's interested in. But uh, we got to go do it together. So it was cool. It was very cool. And, uh, you know, Lord willing, uh, I'll get to have a couple more are many more instances like that with him and you know, so on and so forth with my son and maybe one day a grandson. You never know. All right. Anyway, let's get into it. Uh, this weekend, uh, I had the pleasure and honor and privilege of working with yet another promotion here in the Lowcountry, Conflict MMA, uh, where they had me come on board, just kind of help out a little bit. Now, Conflict's been around, admittedly, for... This was their 49th show. They've been around for a while, right? They put on a quality product. Um, if you are anywhere in the Southeast. I'm sure you're, you're familiar with who they are, but they put on a very, very high quality show. This was their 49th go at it. They didn't need me, right. As far as production goes, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not the missing piece if you will, but, uh, Jared Williams, I believe Oh, I just said Williams. I'm pretty sure that's Jared's last name. Anyway, Jared was very generous and, and kind enough to have me, uh, come and just sort of see if I could find a place where I could interject myself and I called a few fights for them and then did, you know, some in cage work afterwards. Hopefully that footprint will increase in the next event. Conflict 50 is coming up March 5th. Um, We've already spoken briefly. looks like he is going to have the punchless crew back in for that. Hopefully in a more, uh, in a more uh, involved role, but again, you got to get your feet wet first, right? You got to walk before you run. And he, was, he allowed us to do that. Ram FC is the other promotion that I've done some work for in the past. They're having an event on January 22nd. And that, if I'm not mistaken, is is sort of mine for the taking. So I will be in full effect, cans, cage, the whole nine for that. Um, so it, it it should be fun. I'm trying. I'm, and I, I Listen to me when I tell you this. I'm trying to convince Trey to come to South Carolina for the January 22nd show. If I can't get him for January 22nd, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to have to fly to San Diego and kidnap him or what um, to get him to come here and, and, and work a show with me. So we'll try to get him for the March 5th show if we can't get him for the January 22nd show. I honestly think, here's what I think. A couple of reasons why I think Trey doesn't want to meet me in person. One, I think he's shorter than he, th- that I, I think he knows that I know that he's shorter than he looks and he's got some sort of height dysmorphia. Um, two, he's not sure how to deal with somebody that's not from California. So maybe the fact that I'm a little rougher around the edges, it might shake off his chill California vibes. I'm not sure. Uh, three, it might be the lack of kale and or organic quinoa readily available in my area. Um, cause it's not, I'm not, this isn't like attempted to dig. I don't live, um, you know. My house is nice. My my family is clean, beautiful, and normal. Um, I, I have no, you know, all outward appearance. There's no reason why you wouldn't want to come visit and hang out. And Lord knows we've spent several hundred hours talking to each other. So you're, you're pretty sure, you should be pretty sure at this point that I'm not a complete weirdo. Everybody's got their little things, but I'm not that, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to like walk around my house listening to CCR with a pistol in my hand in the middle of the night while you're here. So chill out, man. Just show up. It's not that big a deal. Anyway, we've got a great card this weekend. Oh, Dale, Why is it a great card? It sucks. Here's the thing: we gotta add, we have to adopt an attitude of positivity around here. Because to be honest with you, the last two weeks we've absolutely smacked. I, I, there's just no other way around it. And I understand. Well, some of it's a little chalky. Okay awesome. But if you throw those chalky plays into parlays, you're cashing and slips. And you can't tell me that you're not because you guys send me your slips. I see them in the DMs. I know what's up. I know that you're in there slapping. I know that you're making money. Now, whether it's because you needed us or not, it doesn't to me, honestly. I mean, I hope you use our insight to try to make better picks. But if you don't, you do it on your own. And many of you are very talented. Um, good on you. Absolutely good on you. But those of you that need a, need a little Push in the right direction. Um, I hope that we can we can provide that for you. So uh, let's say let's say this. Recapping last week, I was incredibly confident in Ben Rothwell. In fact, I believe if I clip myself on the show, I said it's my most confident play of the night. Um, I'm not really sure what to do with that information because I I didn't see the fights live, right? Because I had some other stuff going on, but I watched them back when I came back. Because as you guys know, I try to watch every fight humanly possible. And I'm torn on whether or not I think that was an early stoppage by Herb Dean. I agree with Dana White, which is something I find myself saying way more than I like. Herb's got to stop touching people. You got to figure it out, man. Um, he's either on the other side of the cage watching somebody get murdered or he's in the way. I've been, I feel like I spent a good portion of my time very critical on referees, very critical on efficiency in general, judges, things of that nature. I don't want to keep beating that horse. Herb Dean has been problematic for a while, and I've said this. I'll continue to say it. I know for a long time people thought Herb was the best in the game. I truly believe that Herb does not care anymore. I think he's reached a level of I'm going to have this job. People think so highly of me that just it. there's really not much more he can do to show that he just isn't in it attention span wise anymore he just doesn't he just doesn't seem to care he, he really doesn't he just it's it's disengaged it's two weeks notice is what it is it's I'm going on vacation in a week is what it is like that's when I'm getting ready to go on vacation you know that I'm Herb Dean at the office this week waiting for Thanksgiving next week because I'm off work next week like I'm giving forth the same performance right now as Herb Dean and I'm sure people that I work with watch the show, but that's just the way it is. When you're getting ready to go on vacation, that's the way you work. When you're giving your two weeks notice, which I'm not doing, uh, but if you're giving your two weeks notice, that's that's what you do. Like Herb is just... He just... It's weak, man. Um, what did Rothwell in in that fight was the way he fell. Like, he, the, like his body's reaction to getting rocked looked bad. Um, we've seen Ben get stung before. We've seen Ben get rocked. And... It's something about like a guy when he's like 6'9, 6'10, 6'11, whatever when they get hurt, their body just reacts in a very exaggerated way because they're so large, you know, you look like one of those blow up things outside of a <laughs> outside of a car lot. I just this is the way the guy looked. Um but he did wrap up. He did wrap him up. He did, he did have his head sort of tucked into the side. Um but you know, maybe it was just delaying the inevitable, but if you're herb don't touch him man just wait wait till he falls down Dude, you know just it's it, you're literally talking about another second and a half um of of reservation before that anyway max holloway put on a on a banger of performance uh i want to say this about max holloway right because you're oh, damn master class performance by max holloway Looked great against yeah two takeaways from this one uh i know much has been People have been talking about Max being hit a lot. That's something we've talked about on the show before, is that eventually the chin's going to go. Max is getting touched a lot. He's getting touched a lot more as his career progresses, as he slows down. Going to be interesting. I mean, I would like to think that that's eventually going to catch up with him. I just don't know who in the division is going to be the one that that's going to catch up with, right? Um, I hate to give him a lot of credit. I don't hate to, but I mean... Giga Chikadze could be the one to to turn the lights out on Max. He could be. Um, Volk didn't do it, but we haven't really seen One Punch go to sleep power out of Volk lately. Um, Aldo obviously isn't doing it. Ortega is not doing it. Cub couldn't do it. You know, he's not fighting Jeremy Stevens at this point in his career. Somebody at 155 is either going to have to do it, but if we're looking at featherweights that can do it, I think Giga might be the guy. Giga might be the guy, and I think it's going to come from a foot. Um, I don't necessarily think that it's going to be a punch that gets it done. People say that Yair Rodriguez's stock goes up in that loss. I can get on board with that. I'll say this. Yair, for as much shit as I give him about being soft, displayed a lot of grit, displayed a lot of determination, and... Had a little bit of fight in him, which was cool. I like the idea where Max hit him and he shook his head like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and then called him forward. Max got one. you're tried to get one back. Most of the fight, it was a, uh, uh, a tit for tat, a quid pro quo, if you will. I can I can get on board with that. I like that a lot. Um, so I don't necessarily know from a skills perspective or title contention perspective that you're proved anything to me in that fight, but I will say that he proved that he's got a little bit more grit and a little bit more heart than I thought he did. Um, he seemed very diva-ish and maybe outside of the cage, he is very diva-ish, but he showed a lot of grit and determination in that fight. Uh, and I also realized by looking at the banner that I did not say when my dad was wearing his allegiance shirt earlier, that if you use promo code, I'm sorry, promo, promo code punch, you can save 15% site wide. So, do all that anyway here we go I didn't do banners because I'm by myself and I'm not programming all of this in that's what producer Jake is for and producer Jake is on waivers and is doing something that's not here and Trey is stuck in Portland so it's just me by myself so you're gonna have to listen to me say the odds out loud and then we will just go from there first fight on the main card Davey Grant take taking on Adrian Yanez <clears throat> excuse me hold on a second here Hold on one second. I got something. <sighs> I just don't understand how this is even possible. If I'm if I'm using a program and I'm supposed to be streaming through the program, why does it have ads anyway? David Grant at thirteen and five taking Adrian Yanez. Adrian Yanez at fourteen and three, and he's also the minus three hundred favorite on David Grant coming back at the plus two forty. Okay, let's talk about Adrian Yanez for a second. Adrian Yanez looked poor against Randy Costa until Randy Costa got a bloody nose and got a boo-boo on his face and then quit fighting. Um, Not the best look for Adrian Yanez. That being said, Davey Grant, uh, a little bit of a resurgence here. You know, I know with a, a guy with his record, he's 13 and five. So you say, well, Dale, he's 18 fights in. How is this anything like a resurgence? Well, in my opinion, I feel like Davey Grant was on the verge of a pink slip. And then all of a sudden, he decided to start throwing it together and got himself, um, you know, some performance, really, I mean, some, some perf- not a performance of the night, but he really started putting some things together. I mean, if you look at his fight, again, he, when he lost to Damian Stasiak, he lost to Manny Bermudez, um, I really thought Davy Grant was on his way out, right? But then he comes in and he beats Grigory Popov, who for a second I thought was going to be a Mongolian murderer, and that that fizzled out but then he comes back and he knocks out Martin day and then knocks out Jonathan Martinez. And I was super high on Martinez in that fight. So you're looking at back to back knockout wins. So they book him against Cheeto Vera, Cheeto comes out and Cheetos him right? That says, um, he, you know, had previously had a win over Cheeto. They thought, Oh, we'll just book him again. Negative. Uh, Cheeto comes out, avenges that and we get it done. Right. So, he finds himself now where he's got to go up against another prospect in an Adrian Yanez. And the thing with this is that even though Yanez is a minus 300, we got to find value. And I think we do it by, I mean the, the most popular plays is going to be Yanez by knockout, right? Yanez has got the boxing. He's got the, he's super slick. hes He's the up and coming prospect to watch. I would normally say well, in instances like this, maybe we should avoid the knockout because maybe Yanez is going to come out and he's going to show us something different. But Davey Grant is going to leave himself in position to be touched the way that he needs to be to go to sleep. He throws everything with the arms. Everything is wide. Everything is looping. Everything comes from unorthodox angles. And a guy that is very on the center, very um, very mindful of distance keeps his head on the line knows where his where where his shots are at and can continue to do the right things over and over again like adrian yanez he should see success as the fight progresses i like yanez to work the body here and i think we might see either a knockout from a body shot or a knockout that's predicated by a body shot um Yanez does a very good job of breaking angle on the hips and digging with the hooks. Um, I think that he could get inside some of those arm shots of, of Davy Grant, freeze him a little bit and then start touching the body up. So we'll take Yanez and we'll take him we'll take him inside the distance. and oh my gosh, my mouse is frozen. So I can't do anything. I don't have a mouse. Oh, boy. I'll tell you what. There we go. Now we're back. I'm telling you. I just... There's certain days where the devil works against you, man. And this is one of them. Uh, So, we're taking Yanez. We're taking him inside the distance. We're going to take the fight inside the distance as a whole. All right. JoJo Calderwood. But she's not Calderwood anymore. She's just JoJo Wood. Because she married John Wood. Um, So, she's just JoJo Wood now. At 15 and 6. Taking on Talia Santos. Talia Santos at 18 and 1. Big favorite here in Talia Santos at minus 360, taking on JoJo at a plus 280. And I think it seems rare, but on a women's line, this seems this seems accurate. JoJo just really hasn't been able to seem to find second gear for a while. She hasn't been able to really get it going. Um, and Tali Santos has a ton of momentum. And if JoJo wants to make this a Muay Thai fight, it's going to end poorly for her it really is um this is a they did her no favors with this matchmaking if she wants to win this fight i think that the the angle needs to be to get it to the ground however i don't know necessarily how effective she's going to be in the event that she does get it there i don't love that look for her because she doesn't have the Physical strength. One of the biggest knocks that I've had against Joanna Calderwood or Joanna Wood as she's gotten older or as I've seen her career progress. Let me rephrase that. As I've seen her career progress and I've seen her fight more, um, my viewership relationship has gotten older. She is not physically strong. She just isn't. Some women are physically, well, as you, I mean, it's, the the opposite. Of that. They're just very physically str- like strong, and they're able to move the body around almost like a man. And Talia Santos has that. She is physically a specimen, right? Um, she'll just muscle you. She muscled Roxanne Montefiore. She muscled Jillian Robertson. She muscled the meatball and Molly McCann. She will just do what she needs to do to impose her physicality. On you on you. And if you come in like that little tiny purple Scottish flower from Braveheart, like Joanna Woodwill, uh, just like that purple flower in Braveheart, you're gonna get smashed in between the canvas or the cloth and you're gonna get put away. Uh, that's what I see happening here. I'm taking Talia Santos and I'm taking her as a parlay piece. It seems risque to put a women uh, a women's fighter as a parlay piece but i like Tali Santos in the spot i just honestly outside of a submission i don't see where JoJo has a snowball's chance here she might be able to wrap something up an arm or something like that if they go to the ground but i i'm just i can't bank on one method of victory i'm going to take Tali Santos um parlay piecer minus 360 anchor her with a parlay all right Ronnie yaya honey yaya honey yaya 27 10 and one taken on kung ho kong kang whatever my asian names need tons of work anyway kang 17 and eight like i said ronnie yaya 27 10 and one a wealth of experience on ronnie yaya i or honey honey yaya yeah, yeah, let me let me get that right this is this is tough for me uh like the chat says here Vieira and Kang are immortal locks is what Cosmo say in, in, the, in the chat. I will say this. I do believe Kung Ho Kang to be the most handsome Asian man on the roster. I don't necessarily believe that he has talent to, to back that up, though. Uh Hany Yaya, yeah, yeah, 27 and 10, ex- is exactly that. He is just a wealth of experience, right? Um, losses in his career, at least the last five years or so. Uh, pretty tough to beat him, if we're being honest. You know, a loss to Tom uh, Maka, Joe Soto, and Ricky Simone. That's it. That's it. Those are the last three people to beat him since 2013. Before that, Chad Mendez beat him in 2011. Um so since 2011, you've lost to Chad Mendez, Tom Ninimaka, Joe Soto, and Ricky Simone. That's it. That's it. I, I, I don't, I mean, that's a pretty, that's pretty serious, man. Now, my thing with that is, is that they've really not given him anybody to do anything more with, right? Wins over Johnny Bedford. Uh, Matthew Lopez, Michinori Tanaka, Luke Sanders, and Ray Rodriguez in that time period. It's not like he's out, out there fighting a murderer's row. I mean, we'll just we got to keep it real with Honey. Uh, he's not out there just, you know, doing it up big dog style. Uh that being said, he's got a stiff test here. And I I know he's been fighting in the in the promotion for the better part of 10 years now, but I believe that Kung O Kang might be his stiffest his stiffest test to date um you know a loss to Ricardo Hamos which was a split decision so I'm not going to hold that against them but a loss prior to that to Chico Camus uh and then you know that's really that's really kind of it and that you know that fight was back in 2013 so my thing if if you're Kang is or Kong or however you want to say it is that he's not incredibly active We, we appear to fight you know uh once or twice a year. We had a four-year layoff between 2014 and 2018. So he essentially just kind of took two, four or four years, I believe, at that time we were doing that mandatory military service and some other things. So he's got a lot going on, hasn't been incredibly active, but he's come back and he's got he's got Ronnie Yaya knocking on his door. His losses before were by decision. Um, he's only been submitted once, I believe, in his career. Uh, and that was way back uh, when Yaya was making his promotional debut in the UFC back in 2011. So it's been a minute since he's lost by submission. This is an interesting stylistic matchup. If you're going to take Ronnie or Hani, take him by sub. He's not going to win a decision. He will go for broke, dead. uh, He'll gas himself out going for a sub. He will not win a decision. Hani, Yaya, by decision is not what you want. You want them by sub if you're gonna play them at all. Just screw the plus money, m- minus money, whatever, because it's a pick them right now. Just just go ya sub. If you're gonna take uh if you're gonna take Kung Yo Kong, take him by knockout or by decision. Uh, just just give yourself the plus money alternative. If you if you think he's going to win, you want to just do a money line. Sure, go for it. Like I said, it's coming out of pick him right now. I would just, in my opinion, I think that Hani will kill himself trying to get a sub. So you play, you play uh, Kung Ho by finish, and you play Hani by submission, or you play an inside the distance play. I, I just, you can get more bang for your buck here than just going. Than just going straight up, uh, money line play, because anything can happen. Anything can happen. So why not, why not go for the plus money and you know sort of hedge against yourself? So, my opinion. All right, next fight on the main card, co-main event: Michael Chiesa taking on Sean Brady. Sean Brady fourteen zero. Michael Chiesa eighteen and five. Uh, Kies is a plus 135 dog against Sean Brady at a minus 160. Sean Brady is one of my favorite, one of my new favorite fighters prospects to watch. I think I am absolutely fascinated by this kid uh, and the skills that he he possesses. You've heard me say it before. I like Sean Brady. I like Gavin Tucker. I like Ilya Taporia. Um, I like Movzar Evluev. There's a, quite a few guys coming up right now that I really enjoy watching. Um, we went, or I went rather, rather large on Chiesa uh, his last time out against Luque. And that did not fare well for your boy. That's not what I expected. I did not expect Kiesa to get Chiesa'd. Um, that was unsettling. I didn't really appreciate that. I feel like he's in a good bounce back spot here and he's got some veteran experience and big show experience when it comes down to it over a guy like Sean Brady. I just with a guy like Brady. My thing is, is that he doesn't talk much. So he doesn't give you a lot to go off of mentally. I'm not sure what his, I'm not sure one, what his fight IQ is like. Um, you know how cerebral he is, how it and how he approaches fights. Two, when a guy doesn't talk a lot, it's hard to figure out motivation. Like, what gets Sean Brady up in the morning? Like, has anybody heard him talk? Like, his plan is like, I want, I want to be world champ. Like, like is that is that his thing? Like, is he just like, I I'm calling out. I want top ten guys. I want top five guys. Like, is that is that Sean Brady's motivation? Like, am, am I? Is that what I'm looking at when I see this guy? Like what's what's he approaching? What fuels him in the dogfight? Right. When when Kies is doing smother um, wrestle death, what's motivating my man? Like do we know? That's what makes me nervous with a guy like Sean Brady. Is I don't know what lights his fire. because um, Kies is gonna come out, he's gonna try to make it gritty, try to make it ugly. Although, although with Kiesa, Kiesa really likes getting dressed up and being on TV. Kiesa really likes talking. Kiesa really likes the way that he sounds. Um, so is a guy like Michael Kiesa, who fairly intelligent, has to realize that he's probably in a in a very crowded welterweight division, several fights from several killers away from a title shot, um despite being, a little bit on the younger side, do we do we think if we're Michael Chiesa like fighting like I'm gonna be world champion one day? Or do we think I can put on a couple fan-friendly fights and then I can move full time into the into the I could try to get one of those desk spots? Like what's what's the motivation there if you're if you're Michael Chiesa? How he has to approach this fight is exactly this he cannot stand and bang. Well, and this is typical for any Kiesa fight. He cannot stand a bang with Sean Brady at all. He needs to try to he needs to try to go wrestle his way through Sean Brady's jujitsu. Like he's gotta he has to use offensive wrestling to move to jiu-jitsu in order to try to negate Brady's striking and Brady's jujitsu. Um if he can't do that, I, I I believe this will be a bad night for Kiesa. Um, I'm not overly sold on the looks that Brady's gotten. That's really got me falling in love with him in this spot. I think that Kiesa could pose some problems if he comes out there and fights like a wily veteran, right? Like really fights like a vet, uh, press him against the cage, makes him carry that frame really works him, works the seatbelt takedowns. If he can, if he can really make Sean Brady work, make him use that frame. I think that he could, he could, uh, pose some severe problems for, for Sean Brady. If you're Sean Brady, you gotta touch Michael Chiesa, right? You gotta, you gotta hit him. You gotta make it, you gotta make it ugly uh, in the sense that you you need to let Chiesa know that the fight won't be easy and you have to threaten him. You have to threaten him by by hurting him early or at least touching him. Stop a takedown or two and let him know that he's in for a fight. Make Chiesa question whether or not um, he still has what it takes to compete with the young up comers, right? Because right now is viewing himself as the old lion, the old guard. And if Sean Brady can make him question that, he can get him to check out the fight. Um, Kiesa's coming off getting choked, um, and he doesn't like that. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens. As it stands right now uh, on Tuesday night, I'm leaning Sean Brady in this fight, which goes kind of against my normal play of going on. You know, leaning on the wrestlers, but Kiesa might be, and I need to see you win territory before I can bet you again. And as such, I'll fade them until it ends up costing me money. So it's where I'm at right now. We'll see where I land on, on Saturday. But as it stands right now, that's where I'm at. And my mouse is not working yet again. I know you guys can hear me clicking it because I'm trying to get it to respond. And it's just not doing it. Um, I'm not entirely sure what's going on. Getting pretty frustrated with it. Oh, there we go. We're back. Yes. Excellent. Good times. All right. Main event. Ketlin Vieira at 11 and 2, taking on Misha Tate at 19 and 7. Vieira is a minus 125 favorite. Misha Tate coming back in plus 105. Uh, slight underdog for Misha. Now, to go back to Mr. Cosmo's uh, comment in the chat, like he said earlier, where he's talking about Kang and Vieira being locks, I disagree more so on this female side, right? Now, do I think that Misha Tate looked good her last fight out? No, no, sir. No, sir, I do not. But, but it's about reps for Misha, right? For Misha, it's about activity. She's got to be active. Um, She's got to be, she's got to be in there sweating. She's got to be in there doing more. So I love the idea that this is another fight within the calendar year for her. Um, A win over Marion Renault, not it, right? We understand Marion Renault, nine and seven as a pro. It is what it is. Um, but Ketlin isn't exactly the pinnacle of activity herself, right? We had a loss to Yana Kunitskaya earlier in this year. Um, and then in 2020, the only win that she had was her only win. It was her only fight of the year against Jari Eubanks. Then we go to 2019. She only fought once in 2019, which was a fight against Irene Aldana. And then we go to 2018. She only fought once in 2018 against Kat Zingano. So Ketlyn Vieira is not exactly out there getting reps in either. This is kind of two ladies that don't fight very often. I know Misha had a a couple kids, did the retirement thing, did the 1FC. What was she, the VP of Athlete Development or whatever it is that she was doing over there. They probably just brought her over there to be pretty. Although... I don't know what those positions do, so maybe, maybe I don't. I don't know what her, I don't know what her, what her play over there with one was. I think it was athlete development, and one is a fantastic organization. So by all all accounts, it seemed that she was doing a good job. But she got the competitive fire to come back, and she did, and she got a win over a, a veteran and Marion Reneau, who announced prior to that it was going to be a retirement fight. So yeah, I mean, a win's a win, but she's fighting twice in a calendar year, which is more than we can say. For Ketlin Vieira, I would say approach Vieira as a lock with a little bit of reservation, right? Um, Women's underdogs have cooled off a little bit. We had a great run there for a few months where women's underdogs were consistently cashing. But the tide has kind of turned in that, right? I don't know if Mercury's in retrograde now or what the heck's going on, but things are starting to even out a little bit. And We're getting getting a former champ, second fight in the year. at plus money, very, very close to plus money. Um, and in combat sports, that essentially means that Vegas can't figure out what they're doing. Money lines in combat sports aren't like money lines in football or basketball, for that matter. Uh, I would say anything up to a minus 180, minus 200 is still, uh, you can still lose that fight quite a few ways. So approach with caution is all I'm saying for the Vieira play. Personally, I'll be on Misha Tate. I don't see, um, I don't see Ketlin Vieira enough to feel confident calling her a lock over anybody. And that's, that's not a knock on her in that instance. It's just, I just, I just don't see her enough in that. Right. I I remember, um, I remember seeing her uh, against Sajara Eubanks and thinking, okay, that was like a lunchbox performance. Um, I remember her beating Sarah McMahon because I was really high on Sarah McMahon for a while. And I was like, okay, okay, if we can beat Sarah McMahon, if we can choke Sarah McMahon out, okay, that, you, you have some skills. But outside of that, man, she's either, it, it's decision city. So maybe, maybe the play for this fight is we'll just go, fight goes the distance. Or over, uh, we'll take the over on rounds, which I believe uh, is at four and a half. Uh, maybe three and a half. Hold on. Stand by. I'll look. This is why we need uh this is why we need producer Jake, but it is what it is. Let me find the over-under on rounds real quick. I think we'll take by decision maybe. Um our fight goes the distance. One of the two. I'm cool with that. I don't mind that at all. Yeah, it's at four and a half. Under four and a half is it plus one thirty. Over four and a half, is it a minus 160? So Vegas is thinking the same thing I'm thinking. They're right in line with me. They're saying, we think this fight's going to go over. Minus It's 160 is not enough for me to think it's a trap. So yeah, I'll probably play over four and a half because Ketlin doesn't seem to be able to do much other than go to decision. Um, Honestly, I think Misha has a better chance of winning inside the distance. Supposedly, if I I remember correctly, there was an idea there for a while that Ketlin Vieira had good hands um, so maybe if she's going to hurt Misha, she's going to do it early. Um, but Misha's got a weird way of of getting some subs in there or getting that cumulative ground and pound death by a 1,000 cuts kind of deal. So maybe Misha Tate in the latter rounds. She did knock out Marion Renault, ground and pound in the third round. So maybe she pushes it. Maybe she stretches it out a little bit. I don't know. Take a Misha Tate. Take a Misha Tate. Maybe take the over. That's about it. I, just, I can't trust Vieira. I don't see her enough. Don't see enough. All right, first fight on the prelims. Yeah, first fight on the prelims. Let me wet the whistle here. All right, first fight of the prelims: Luana Pinero, Pinheiro, at nine and one, taking on Sam Hughes. Sam Hughes at five and three, taking on Pinero at nine and one. I've got a weird, I, I. Luana Panero is a mystery to me, if I'm being honest, right? So, if you've never seen Luana Panero fight, um, imagine those of you that have watched our show for a long time. Imagine if Haley Cowan was Brazilian. That's what Luana Panero looks like. Um, she doesn't fight like Haley, though, where Haley is essentially um, equal parts physicality and technicality uh Pinero's just kind of like I don't really know she's got good hands and she can submit you too but she's not very physically strong like she's got knockouts and she's got submissions on her on her record but they tend to come against girls who she can kind of bully and when she gets bullied she doesn't really like it uh if you're wondering when the last time you saw her fight was it was when she fight fought randa marcos and marcos hit her with the upkick and there was like this very elongated drawn out exasperated um reaction to the upkick and ultimately they called the fight and gave panera the win which was wild to me um so she's she's back and she finds herself in a minus 400 spot against Sam Hughes, plus 310 for Sam Hughes. Now, I don't understand this, and, and I'll tell you why. I don't know what you see from Panera that makes you think that she should be a minus 400 against anybody. And it's just the principle of the thing. It's just literally the principle of the matter. I don't know, understand how you assign this woman a minus 400 spot. Did she knock out Stephanie Frosto in the contender series? Yep, she certainly did, right? But her last fight was not going her way, and she got she won from an up an illegal strike. So now you have her back and you put her to minus 400 spot. Okay, well, Dale, she's going up against Sam Hughes. I understand that. What's wrong with Sam Hughes? Well, a couple of things, right? Sam Page uh, is on the wrong side of the 20s. Uh, for only having eight professional fights. And she's 5'5 and doesn't have much of a reach at all. Uh, that being said, she's also coming off back-to-back losses to Loma Luke Bumi and Tisha Torres. But Tisha Torres has kind of turned it around a little bit. Her last win came to the LFA against Danielle Henley. But before that, she lost due to an inverted triangle choke. Oh, my gosh. Shout out Jorge Mosvidal for going purple with that one. Uh, to Vanessa Dimopoulos. So... <coughs> She's not exactly beaten killers and anybody that she's fighting that's UFC level talent. And I do believe that Vanessa, despite mixed results so far in her UFC run, Tisha Torres and Loma Luke Bumi, at least Loma and Tisha for, this, for the sake of the point I'm making here, are UFC level talents. So I believe that Sam Hughes is closer than a plus 300 here. Uh, and I believe that Panera has no right being a minus 400. Perhaps I'll be proven wrong. She'll go out there and start Sam Hughes, but I'm going to bet against her for here. I'm going to take a minus 300 dog to open the show. Why not? Curtain jerker, empty apex, two women, nothing to lose, similar skill sets. It's a coin flip as far as I'm concerned because neither one of these women, respect them as athletes, have shown me anything uh, that makes me respect and feel confident on either side of that line. So that being said, I'm going to open up the show with a little bit of spice. Something nice minus, or no, sorry, plus 310 on Sam Hughes. Why not? Why not? I've, I've got no... Eh, small sprinkles, baby. Small sprinkles. All right. Let's see here. Next fight on the main card. uh, Yeah, man. Definitely should have heard the audio on this guy. Uh, I'll go Shylon... N- Hmm Boy Nur Nordka Nordembeka hmm, Boy that's a good one. Somebody want to type out the phonetic for it in the chat for Shylin Nurnbeka Nurndaca Nordembek Nur Nur Nurdenbeck? Let's go to Nurdenbeck. Nurdenbeck. Shy Shylin Nurdenbeck. nineteen and seven. Taking on Sean Soriano at fourteen and seven. Man, what a name, right? Golly, my man. I'm gonna go with Shylin for right now. Okay. Nickname Wolverine. Built like a brick shit house. Uh, got beat up by Josh Kulabau. Now the thing with Kulabau, right? And I got issues with Kulabau. Kulabau came in and got looked like absolute warmed up dog poo against Jalen Turner. Okay. And then comes in and puts on a dominant performance against Shylin, um, which leaves me with no accurate barometer on how good this guy is because I can't figure out how good Kulabau is. Um, and then he comes in and he fights Sean Soriano. Well, the thing with Sean Soriano is, is that Sean Soriano is one of those guys where he trains with straight killers, and for all intents and purposes, seems to be one of those guys that's super good in the gym, but doesn't it doesn't necessarily translate once he gets under the bright lights. Uh, so they brought him in short notice. He fought Christos Iagos, Um, and then he got choked out by Christos Yagos. Uh, prior to that, he looked pretty good. He looked pretty decent, you know? Uh, but you're talking about a guy that had a good run to start his career and at one point dropped six out of seven or five out of six, something like that, and then kind of became, I don't want to call him a club level, but kind of like just a club level slash um, just gym fighter, right? And seemed to be doing very good, helping out with the striking uh coaching duties, black zillions, and whatever they are now. I can't remember that teams changed names a million times. Was it Samford MMA now? Is that what they are? Um what freaking gym is he out of? Uh I can't remember. Anyway, doesn't matter for this for for my point here. Uh he just sort of adopted the coach's mentality, right? So with that coaching opportunity, with coaching opportunities comes a lot of things. Comes the opportunity to disengage, and inspect, and get introspective on the on the game, the fight game as a whole, and your techniques and your your approaches to things. I like him in the spot. I think I think he might have a good opportunity here. He just can't get out muscled. Um, Soriano has the has the skills within him to to beat. Um, Shyland, I really believe that he does. He just has to actually follow through on it. And what he can't do is gas out, right? He he has to be able to execute. Uh, He is a he is the favorite here. Um, And while a little overpriced at the minus two eighty spot, I think he's justifiably the favorite. I'll take him here. Um, Strictly a money line, just to say, you know, because you're asking me to pick a winner and loser, I'm going to take him. Not something, you know, that I that I absolutely love uh and I'm not putting him on any parlays and he won't be in it he won't be in any sort of draft Kings lineup for me so I will say that all right next fight on the main or on the prelim Cody Durden 11 three and one taken on uh Kyling Aori or Iori Kaling Kyling uh, 18 and eight this is a fight that is on my radar for fight of the night minus 155 if you're on the Durden side uh Aori is at the plus one thirty. This is a this is an earmark for fight of the night, right? This is one where both guys are going to come out ready to inflict damage on the other. Cody Durden is getting the favorite nod here. He lost via triangle choke to our boy uh, Jimmy the Brick, or yeah, Jimmy the Brick Flick, his last time out. This was in December of last year, so nearly a year since we've seen Mister Durden fight. And I remember if I remember. Correctly, that fight, it was close to a pick'em, and you know, Durden was able to hit him with that with that triangle choke. I don't think that Aori's going to present the same uh, creativity to produce a result similar to that. Last time we saw Kyling out, he was beaten by Jeff Molina. Jeff Molina stepped in and looked like a boss. And nobody was expecting that. I know we weren't. I know I wasn't. I was all over Aori in that fight thinking, oh, this dude stepping up on short notice out of Krause's camp isn't going to do shit. And Jeff Molina went out there and put on a heck of a fight. And I think that was a fight of the night award for both those guys. I'm going to take Aori here at Plus Money. Um, I think Durden's path to victory is the wrestling. I think Aori's path to victory is the hands. Um, if he can stop the takedowns, if he can make Durden work, if he can gas him out a little bit, I think he's got more gas in the tank, power-wise. As the fight progresses, he can get it done. So I'm going to take the small plus money on Aori here, and we'll, we'll see what we can do. Um, let's see here. Terrence McKinney at 11 and three, taking on Faraz Ziam. Or Ziam's at a, at a 12 and three. Terrence McKinney at 11 and three. Okay, this is a fight that confuses me because I was pretty certain that Terrence McKinney destroyed his knee after the quick knockout of Matt Frivola. Like, he did the Frivola knockout, jumped off the cage, landed weird on the knee, and it seemed like for all intents and purposes like that knee was a mess. And that was back in June. But here we are uh, six months later, not even six months later, and we're fighting again, and we're going up against Firas Ziyom. Now, my thing with Firas is that he... When he has looked good, he's looked very good, right? He looked very good against Jamie Malarkey, who's on a little bit of a run. Majority decision win over Luigi Vendramini, who I'm still on the fence about, but lost. He lost to Don Madge. I don't think you should be losing to Don Madge. My opinion: um, if you're if you have any staying power in this in this promotion, you don't loo- you should not lose to Don Madge. And in all respect to Don Madge, I just don't. I just. That's he's one of those guys that's a measuring stick, right? And I don't know. I'm I'm gonna take I'm gonna take McKinney here. Um based on, you know, well he, he wrestled in high school. Okay. But I'm just gonna take McKinney here because I'm just not entirely sure how I feel about Frost. Um I'll just damn it. Honestly, I'm not I don't really don't want to bet on this fight at all. It's a pick'em. I might just avoid it, to be honest with you. Gun to my head, I'll take McKinney. I'm not confident in it, though. I'm not confident in it. Um, Output-wise, Frost throws more. I think the wrestling advantage, takedown advantage, goes to McKinney. Just depends on how they want to fight. Depends on how they want to fight each other. Um, but I, I will probably... Oh gosh, I'll probably go McKinney, but... I don't know if I want to touch it. We'll see on Saturday. I'm not sure yet. All right. Uh, Let's see here. Jonathan says in the chat, chat, Tate outlasts her. I'm leaning on a parlay with Tate, Santos, and Yanez. I can get on board with that. I can get on board with that. And if you're the hedging type, that's a good one to do it because you're hedging on the last fight of the night, and you can take uh, Ketlin at very small Minus money, so you don't have to put up as much to win it back. So yeah, that's a great, that's a great opportunity to make some money there. Sure. If you're the hedging type, if you're not the hedging type, uh, you can still make a lot of money there because I'm I I like all three of those plays, as you've heard. Um, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. What's that come back at? Is that your Giannis Santa? What do you like at uh minus was it like minus two forty? What's that come at? Put it in the chat if you if you care enough to to share. Minus 180, minus 240. What's that come back at? Somewhere in that in that range, probably depending on your book. All right. Loma Luke Boomy at six and two. Loopy Godinez at six and two as well. Godinez coming back at a minus one sixty-five favorite. My girl loopy just just wants to stay active. I don't know if it's in their, it's if it's in her best interest to stay as active as she is. Um but she wants to get back in there, right? Minus one sixty-five taken on Loma at a plus one forty. One thing you got to be wary wary of with these quick turnarounds um, is the body recovery, right? Are you are you getting the adequate rest time uh, in between? I think that she likes the idea of taking this fight on, on short notice because Loma Luke Boomy is going to give her the type of fight that she wants, right? Loopy wants to throw hands. We've seen uh, in her last two outings, right? She, we had the the armbar win over Silvana Gomez-Juarez where she was touching her up with the hands and then ultimately uh, got the armbar finish. But then she came out and she tried to do that against uh, Luana Carolina. And Luana was just too big for her, right? Just way just way too big of a woman. Um, lost the split decision earlier this year to Jessica Panay in a fight that I thought she won. Um... So yeah, we'll see if we can go two and two in 2021, betting on on uh on Lupi Godinez. I'm gonna take Lupi here again. Just see, well, we'll see if we can go two and two with her. Um she's got good hands, she's got good submissions. Uh Loma's gotta she's gotta, you know, use that Muay Thai. And um wait a second. Wait, wait a second. How is it this is what I don't understand. If you can log in, for those of you who don't know what's going on, the chat from the punch list account in the chat says, oh, God, here comes the love for Loopy. If you can chat, you can be in the show. I'm under the impression that you're in Portland and you're unable to do the show. If you can chat, you can be in the show, Trey. So get in here. Or if it's producer Jake, start putting the tickers up at the bottom so I can can do it. Um, Leo Lopez says, I think Loma gets it done. Interesting, interesting. Do we is that logic based on we think it's going to be primarily a stand up battle? Um, gets done as far as get just gets the win plus money, or do we think she knocks her out? How do you think that plays out? Um, here's the thing, right? Yeah, here comes the love for Loopy. That the, the love for Loopy comes for this is she's aggressive. I like women's fighters that are aggressive. I don't want, every once in a while, a tactician like a Valentina Shevchenko is fun to watch, right? But if we're being honest, most women are, they're they they they're specialists, right? Like, I'm very good at one particular thing. I'm very good at throwing hands. am very good at judo. I'm very good at jujitsu. I'm very good at wrestling, whatever. Um, and most women lack violence within them right it's very it's very difficult to find a woman that possesses sheer violence inside their body um she's come on man i'm trying to make a point here um i'll put it up on the screen so people can see this is from trey um Mana nunez valentina uh yoana whaley I won't even say that Rose has it. Um, Very few women just possess that, that level of animosity capable of, of dark violence. And, uh, loopy goes out there and tries to separate you from consciousness. Macy Barber is another one that tries to separate you from consciousness. There are a couple of women out there that really, really want to hurt you. And some of them look, you know, will do it with a smile on their face. Um, yeah, and I, I just, I'll play on that. I'll play on that for right now. So, uh, Trey says that I'm naked, scared, and alone. Yeah, Yep. It's how you came into this world, bro. Hopefully, it's not how you go out. So, all right. <laughs> I also just love that this dude is sitting in here chatting, but not actually in the stream. I just, I can't with you, bro. <laughs> I just can't. It's <laughs> <You're> just. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Hoffa Garcia taking on Natan Le- Levy. Uh, Levy at 6-0. and 0. Hoffa Garcia at 12-2. <laughs> oh, man. Garcia to minus 125. Levy to plus 105. And I think that plus money on uh, Natan is coming from the experience on Hoffa's side, right? Hoffa has shown himself to be a just a dark, gritty grizzled veteran and he's going up against a guy that's super flashy uh and here's the thing right is that i like hoffa garcia a lot but he gets hit and levy is such a creative fun energetic shot in the arm um that i think he's going to come out there and try to do something flashy and if he's successful i mean it's going to be amazing that's what he's counting on but if you're garcia you need to lean on your expert uh veteran experience to not fall into that, right? Like save the spinny shit for the gym, go out there, press him against the cage, dirty box them, drag him out, make them work. But if you let him go out there and you let him touch you up and you let them start hitting you. Um, yeah. If you let him touch you up, you're going to have a bad day. Trey just text me, um, and said, uh, I only had five minutes to jump in and watch. Now he's got to go out to dinner with his boss. Um, Yeah, yeah, so there's that. Anyway, I miss the big guy or the little guy. Maybe it's the little guy. I don't know. I'm going to put a poll out how tall we think Trey is. Not that I'm like some gigantic man, but I'm not, you know, I just want to see what you think. Okay. Um, How do I feel about this? Garcia? probably going to avoid this one ah well maybe we'll yolo a levy bet we'll see all right pat sabatini taking on tucker lutz tucker lutz at 21 12 and 1 sorry taking on pat sabatini at 15 and 3 sabatini philadelphia kid man i can't really i mean look as a guy that was born and raised in the greater pittsburgh metropolitan area inherently i'm supposed to hate everybody from philadelphia and for the most part philadelphia lives and resides in the darkest recess of my butthole i don't like that city at all um I don't like their little silly accent that they have. But that being said, Pat Sabatini's been putting in work, man. Been putting in work. Came in, humbled Tristan Connolly, which is what he should have done, then comes out and he heel hooks Jamal Emers. He's got a tough test in front of him in Tucker Lutz. Uh, my thing with Tucker Lutz, he's like a poor man's Jason Witt. They just kind of they look pretty much the damn same. If I'm if I'm Tucker Lutz, I want to know where Jay, where my dad was at right around the time Jason Witt was conceived because these two dudes look almost identical, even down to the tattoos. All that to say this. Uh, he's got a win over Kevin Aguilar, and then in the contender series, he's got that win over Sherrod Blackledge. I'm not impressed with Tucker Lutz. Uh, I do enjoy the nickname, Top Gun. I can get on board with that. Uh, highway to Danger Zone, for sure. But he's, he's exactly doing that. He's going right into the danger zone. And I'm afraid that Pat Sabatini is going to make him his goose. And he's going to take him out. So as of right now, I'm going to go ahead and take Pat Sabatini. Uh, Pat Sabatini is a minus 135 favorite. One of the only um, close minus monies that I'm going to take on this entire card. And I'm going to take him at minus 135. I'm going to go ahead and take take pat sabatini here i do i do in fact enjoy him quite a bit okay top to bottom we'll run through these real quick again these are just general leanings saturday may reflect differently if you don't see me post or say anything different on saturday just go ahead and assume that these are my money line plays we will see i don't know how long trey's in portland for if he's ever coming back maybe he'll find himself some new granola girl there and not shave that doesn't shave her armpits and he'll start rubbing petroleum oil on his neck Next I don't know what Trey's got going on. You know, I, I doubt it. I doubt it, but you never know what this guy's going to do. He's a, he's an w- absolute wild card. Um, so, anyway, Panetto and Sam Hughes. Sam Hughes, plus 310. Screw it. Let her rip. Tater chips. Sean Soriano and Shy Lin. I'm going to take Sean Soriano. Uh, Kyling Aori, I'm going to take him over Cody Durden. Terrence McKinney, Feroz Ziam. I'm going to lean McKinney for right now. Loma Luke Boon me over Loopy Godinez. I'm on Godinez. Natan Levy taking on Hoffa Garcia. I'm leaning Levy at the moment. Might go veteran experience with Garcia. We shall see. Pat Sabatini, Tucker Lutz. I want Sabatini and fairly confident in that. Adrian Yanez over Davey Grant. I like Yanez. He's going to work the body, which will open up the head. Uh, if you're going to build a house, start with the foundation. Uh, Joanne Wood or ugh, Joanne Calderwood. Uh, or JoJo, uh, but she's not Calderwood anymore. I gotta get away from that. She's just Jojo Wood now. Uh, taking on Talia Santos. I'm taking Talia Santos. Honey Yaya versus Kung Ho Kang. I'm taking. Oh boy, this one's freezing me. <sighs> Honestly, a double play here. I'm gonna take Yaya by sub and Kang by uh by knockout, just to give myself some plus money. Hopefully, I'll just minimal losses there. Kiesa, Sean Brady. As of right now, I'm leaning Sean Brady. Misha Tate, Ketlin Vieira. I'm going to lean on Misha Tate. So, uh, let's see here. Mark says that he thinks Trey's 5'5". 5'5", bro. 5'5", for real? Golly. My wife's 5'9". So, if Trey's 5'5". Again, no just I got I, I got a buddy that's five five. Shout out to Brian Wadsworth. Um, you know, I got five five people in my circle. Sometimes you need them five fivers, man. Five fivers are scrappy. You know, they're they're low center of gravity win. I mean, anybody that's played football, pad level's important. So you need them five fivers on your team. Um, but man, I don't know. I feel like we put off Big guy energy on this podcast, so I don't know if Trey, if Trey comes at if if Trey gets off the Delta flight, you know Delta thirteen seventy one from San Diego to Charleston, South Carolina, and my man's five five, might have to cancel the show. Might have to, might have to replace him. I don't know. Maybe five size five shoes. I don't believe so. I mean, first of all, I don't believe Trey wears shoes. I believe he wears flip flops everywhere. If he wears shoes at all. Um you don't get your hair with that much salt water in it if you wear shoes all the time. So I I can appreciate that about him. Um, so yeah. And all of this shit talking just basically comes from the fact that he's not here and he's not saying stuff like he thinks the, uh, that all the fighters from Georgia are from the state of Georgia. So if he was here, I wouldn't have to go out of my way to pick at him, but this is where we find ourselves. All right. You guys have listened to me ramble on by myself thongs down here. That's right. Thongs. I forgot thongs. Um, that's what you guys call flip flops or sandals. Um, anyway, you guys have listened to me talk by myself, to myself, to you uh, for an hour and three minutes now. I appreciate you all greatly. Uh, we are moving and shaking. I don't, I'm just going to be honest with you. At this point, at this point, I, I have reservations on whether or not we can get shirts out to you before Christmas. Um, we've got to get them out now. Like, we've got to get the pre-order now. They've got to be... we got to have the pre-order done by the first week of December if we want to get them to you by Christmas. So, my pledge to you for this week. Two things. One, I will light a fire uh, beneath Roy and Trey to try to get the first batch of merch out to you guys this week. Uh, At least released on Allegiance's website so you guys can look at it and get the pre-orders going. And then two we are going to have a winning weekend this week. Um, We were going to end the year strong and going into next year, uh, we will have a similar, albeit different layout for the show. Um, First year, first season, if you guys are familiar, we had, we just kept an overall record between Trey and myself. Um, And then this year we just kind of kept it easy breezy. I mean, it was, fucking covid so nobody really felt like dealing with it um so we were just trying to make plays have fun uh, admittedly this season has been slightly less successful because we've been really cute on stuff uh but we'll we'll go back to our winning ways not that we ever really deviated from them that greatly and then last but not least i guess will be three promises or maybe just an idea for this third one, our ep- episode 100 is right around the corner. So for episode 100, we want to hear from you guys as far as what you want from us. Like, what do you want us to do for that episode? What do you want us to do moving forward? Do you want us to have guests on? Do you want us to do the interview thing? Cause Trey and I kind of like got away from that, but like Calvin Cater's got a fight coming up. We can get Calvin back on the show. You know, Drew, is always willing to come on. We can get Johnny K's back. We can get Haley. We can go after the, we can go after bigger dogs. You know, I mean, Cejudo's got his own things going on, which thoughts and prayers to Cejudo's sister who's battling, uh, stage four cancer he just announced today. Um, so, you know, I know, I know it's easy to get wrapped up in the idea of the character of somebody like, right? like the, the character they portray, um but cancer is a real thing and it sucks and it's miserable and um as somebody who has dealt with that in their family um and is currently dealing with that in their family my thoughts and prayers go out to henry sudo and his family uh and his sister but anyway um it's what you guys want like what do you what do you want us what do you want us to do in this new season moving forward um and what do you want us to do for episode 100 i mean we're open to whatever We're open to whatever. Um, Yeah, we'll see what we can do. And all right. So what am I doing for you? I'm going to, we're going to light the fire for the merch. Yeah, we're going to light the fire for the merch. We're going to do episode 100. And then I promise you something else too. I'll have to go back and listen to it. I've been punched in the head too many times, man. The brain cells are fried. All right. I love you guys. Be good to each other and we'll see everybody on Saturday. Oh. Winning record this weekend. Duh, of course. It's not even a promise. That's an oath. Be good to each other, guys.